crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. Hello. And welcome. To this week's episode. Of Crime and E. We're your hosts. Matt. And. And. (laughs) (laughs) Professional. Not so fucking professional. (laughs) Welcome to the 62nd episode. 62. Cool. Cool. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming back. It's, uh, you're thanks real champions out there. Thanks for sticking with us. We are doing our best, and hopefully it's good enough. Also, uh, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. That's super exciting that President Biden made it official. Official. It's about goddamn time. Yeah, let's scrub that gross Columbus out of our history. Yeah, scrub Columbus out. (laughs) Speaking of scrubbing. (laughs) If you really want to scrub them out. You really want to just get clean. Go ahead and and, uh, get on to Humble Bee Herbal's website. Look through all their stuff. They've got some new Halloween soap. It may not clean your conscience, but it will clean your body. Check it out. It smells amazing. It's super cute. They're like little spiders on top. It's very Halloween-y. <laughs> Weenie. Decorate your house with some cute soap like a grandma would. Yes. That's humblebeeherbal.com. Use code CRIMINY20 at checkout to get 20% off your first order. Check them out. Do you remember grandma's decorative soaps? The little like balls in the bowl? Oh, I forgot about that. I, I was thinking about that little... The the um toilet, toilet paper, paper cover, cover girl. <laughs> the little what was that? Barbie oh, doll made with that the, for her, I think. The yeah. Crocheted dress. Sometimes I play with that in the bathroom because it's like one of the only dolls in the house. Yeah, you're on the toilet taking. It was a that poop. or Marianne Mildewy, and sometimes well, I didn't want to play with her. We didn't play with the Mildewy doll very often because <laughs> she smelled bad. She lived in the shed. But you know, before phones, uh, you had to do something while you were on the toilet. You played with the little doll. The little toilet paper doll. Toilet paper doll. <laughs> Anyone else have those? They're kind of weird. I think everyone's grandma had one. And no, then but you she had, had that little... bowl of ball soap. I didn't even realize it was soap, but like no one ever used it. Yeah. And then you had to have the like carpeting on your toilet. Yes. Around your toilet. Yes. Everywhere. Carpeting. Carpeting. You know, I've been thinking about that actually. Like the carpet around the toilet could potentially be a good idea. Sometimes dudes miss the toilet. At least you could like, wash yeah. that, you know? But it's easy. How much easier is it to scrub, like, a floor <laughs> than, like, a gross shag rug? But then you don't even rug. know it's there because it's in the shag rug. Ugh, and then it just, like, smells mildly of urine all the time. Did I tell you about that one time? I We were at, we were at like, a family reunion, and someone had, like, a carpeted toilet like the the thing that goes on the lid yeah and i had to pee so bad i ran in there and i thought thought the toilet was open and i just sat and peed on the carpeted toilet cover i didn't tell anyone i left (laughs) (laughs) i think i was probably like seven (laughs) now it's confession time well you didn't have to pee that much i guess if it was i mean it sopped it all up and they're like we rented a house with like a urine scented bathroom that's so fucking gross 
Little did they know. Little did they know. You didn't know. feel it when you like sat bare butt on rugs? I literally just, I, I sat and peed at the same time. <laughs> I had to pee so bad. Like it was just at the same time. Butt hit it and pee came out at the same time. So. That's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. On that note, I guess I'll share my story. It doesn't have to do with urine, but okay. you know. Well, that's good. At least I don't think it did. I remember I wrote it like last night. I can't remember what it was that <laughs> I wrote. Okay. So I got my information from longreads.com. Longreads. Longreads.com. It wasn't even that long. Oh, I um, was thinking about like the plant reads like. Oh, no, no, no. Like reading a book. No, R-E-A. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Reading a book. Longreads. Moneyweek.com. Mm. And then melmagazine.com. Hmm. And then that's basically like all I could find. So. Okay. In the late 1800s, we're going Whoa, back in damn. time. The United States was moving out of a period marked by free banks in which there were very limited rules governing banks and into a system of national banking, which is kind of like what we use today. Mm-hmm. More money was in the economy. Uh, this was like after the Civil War. So... Uh, you know, wartime's over, money's flowing. Financial advisors were telling their clients to put their cash in banks Ooh. because they're more stable now than they had been in the past. Uh-huh. Confederate money is no longer a thing. It's all about like union money now. I don't know. <laughs> like all adding about in that union that I don't money. Know. Uh, yeah. Hello. Yep. No more monopoly money. Mm-mm-mm. Well, it's still it's a monopoly, monopoly money, but a different yeah. color or a different dude's face on the money. Yep. I don't know. Speaking of, when weren't we supposed to have like women on money by now? Would like, why nice. is Jackson still on money? Why that are dude half sucked. those people still on they money? They all fucking sucked. Get them off the money. Let's, yeah, get let's put that some actually... like indigenous people and some women on that money. Some people that actually made a difference. Yeah, some cool people. There could be dudes. There could. Okay, I gotta stop the like. No, there could. There should be dudes. There should. But there be should dudes. also be women. There should also be, be people of color. Yes. There should be indigenous peoples. There should be animals. Let's United get some cats States. on money. Well, that is a great idea. Cats. Let's just Cat get bucks. rid of people. Yeah. On money. Yes. Cats. Let's do animal bucks. That'd be cute. That would be cute. Who could? Who would hate that? Who could argue? People who hate animals. Well, they suck. They do suck. Anyway, we're not there yet. We're oh. still back in the days of people money. <laughs> um, so they could put their money, people could put their money in stocks and banks, and people were doing that. And then at the time, women were often the majority of depositors and shareholders. What? So, like, women are starting to, like, put their money. Because I don't think that women are allowed to, like, spend their money on things. So they have to put them in banks. Uh. Uh, so there were very few regulations on banks. The stock market was relatively new. At the time, there was little fear when it came to watchdogs or regulators. Mm -hmm. So um, basically, this historian named George Robb said, anybody could form a bank. If you could get people to give you money, you could call it a bank. You advertise, you rent a fancy office space, people come and give you money. It was amazing how much money you could make before anybody caught you. 
I'm just now imagining a room full of piggy banks and every piggy bank has like someone's name on it and Wouldn't then you just show up and you're like, I'm here to make a deposit. And you just like pull up your little piggy bank and put the money in. Oh my God, that would be adorable. <laughs> Why aren't banks like that? It's like you can never get your money out of the bank, but no. if they had the piggy bank, they just like give you the piggy bank. You crack it, you get what you want. No, you that would be the thing. One. They'd be like, can't you can it. have the bank, mm-hmm. but you can't. Once you crack it, then you have to buy a new bank. Yeah, you do. So you're gonna owe us money if you take the money, which is usually what they do. That's exactly how a bank <laughs> runs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so so no real oversight, no procedure. Not, you just like open up a fucking bank. Sarah Howe, her early life is mostly a mystery. She was born around 1826 in Providence, Rhode Island. At one point, she was married and she worked as a fortune teller in Boston during her early adult life. I yeah. love how much of this was happening. Mm-hmm. I am so on board for witches and fortune tellers <laughs> and tarot reader break tarot readers and all the good stuff and that that can be like your full-time job and that's your career oh yes she's the town fortune teller yes i love it oh excuse me um by the time she was 24 she was a widow oh damn damn what happened whoa holy shit okay she's like you know middle-aged she's old she's kind of old 24 24. she's like a spinster now (laughs) great grandma despite having zero medical training she worked as a physician Uh for a bit i don't like that and she even picked up a couple shifts in a boston area sanitarium where she worked with mentally ill patients for seemingly no other reason than because she could i don't like that (laughs) there's just no oversight they could like people just do whatever the fuck they wanted she's like i'm a fortune teller and a doctor and uh also i'm like a scientist and uh have you guys ever heard of space i think i'm building a rocket in my backyard (laughs) i'm a spacetist i'm a space space lady (laughs) In 1875, she was arrested several times for fraud, usually for taking out multiple loans secured by the same asset and then refusing to pay them. I mean, I don't know, like whatever on that, but I think the bigger fraud is her trying to be a doctor. (laughs) They didn't care about that. (laughs) No. That didn't matter. In 1879, Sarah Howe opened the Ladies Deposit Company. This was a bank run by women for women. Nice. Fuck yeah. The company's mission was simple. Help white women Uh, uh, gain access to the booming world of banking. uh The bank only accepted deposits from so-called unprotected females. So this is women who didn't have like male guardians, Uh, like a husband or a father or a brother. I like it less and less the more you talk. Handled money. This is the 1800s. Not that things are better today. But Uh, um... yeah. So, so these women were largely overlooked by other banks because they were like smaller pots of money and a waste of time. Uh-huh. It's like these women don't have shit. So, and they have no men like telling them what to do or how to spend their money. So we don't care about them. We don't need their money. <laughs> lovely all around. Mm-hmm. Lovely. The Boston Daily Advertiser, the city's first daily paper, described the ladies deposit bank this way which also i love how it's called like it's so transparent like newspapers are just advertisements you Mm -hmm. know it's just that's what they are and they're like so and they called like you know commercials and stuff propaganda like everything was propaganda they just like called it it what it was i appreciate it i'm all for it 
So they said, the furniture of which there are many pieces is upholstered in raw silk of old gold figure patterns and corresponds in tone and design with the walls. The carpets are of a deep warm tone and all the ornaments are rich and in good taste. Hmm. So it's like really ornate, really feminine, really like luxurious it's like a nice fucking bank it's like you would want to go in there and deposit your money yeah sounds fancy she used language that would draw women in she would talk about her commitment to the overworked ill-paid sisterhood yep she told her potential investors that every deposit made into their accounts would be more than just an investment in themselves it would be an investment in women as a whole wow it's pretty good marketing yeah so fucking powerful (laughs) In return for their investment, she promised incredible results. An 8% interest rate, which, fuck yeah, deposit $100 now, and she promised an additional $96 back by the end of the year. Wow, okay. And to sweeten the deal, new depositors got their first three months interest in advance. Whoa. When skeptics were like, "Uh, how the fuck are you able to do this? You can't really guarantee that eight percent interest rates that's Mm -hmm. like ridiculous and she would say that the ladies deposit company was a charity for women that quaker philanthropists were actually bankrolling so they had like a shit ton of money they're there for women okay yes hesitancy yeah i just don't know how they're gonna back that up and look we all know that quakers are fucking rich bitches so I know they're, they're, like, they're, they're a friendly people. They are a friendly people. <laughs> yeah. So word of the bank spread quickly among single women. Housekeepers, school teachers, widows were some of the single women targeted, which I love how, <laughs> like, there were no married school teachers. I no, mean, I guess I if you're, you like, could, a I don't woman. Think you could be. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you had to be, like, a maid. Was it a maiden? A maiden? Is that like an unmarried woman? I don't think so. A maiden. Yeah. Now I can only think of fairy tales. Okay. I'm pretty sure that you had, if you were a school teacher, you couldn't be married. You had to be a marm. Marm. I don't know if marms are married. A non-married marm. Unmarried marms. That maybe made marmalade. Marmalade, marmalade. Oh, marmalade. (laughs) So, choo-choo. Sarah Howe often dressed in the finest clothes. Well, yeah. Why did I mean, you get me, like, like carbonated? Fancy... I'm, like, burping. Gross. She's, like, a fancy banker. Getting... And her place of business is fancy, so she got to match the... You got to look I like I want to say you... the carpets match the drapes. <laughs> no. I mean, probably in the bank. Yes. 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 And the clothes matched both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, um... What was it? Oh... Never mind. Okay. Good story. Well, both the both the movies that involve making clothing out of drapes are like very problematic movies, so I'm not going to talk about it. Well, what's the other one? The Sound of Music. With all the children. Uh, I know and the Sound of oh. Music. I was just trying to remember that she made clothes out of drapes. She made a lot of clothes out of drapes. Why? All those kids got clothes. How many drapes were there? I mean, that place was draped. Weren't they wealthy? Couldn't they buy their children clothes? Sure, but she just wanted to make them cute little drape outfits. I don't know. 
I just feel like drapes are so thick. Yeah. Like, what yeah, uncomfortable, durable. stiff clothing. Dur- durable. Not for children. <laughs> okay. Okay. So she would dress really nicely and entice ladies to join. She would be like, this is for the sisterhood. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell fucking everyone. Mm-hmm. So she only used word of mouth marketing. She didn't ever place an advertisement for her bank. So she started to get people investing from around the country. Wow. Money came in from Buffalo, Chicago, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Washington, all without her ever taking out a single newspaper advertisement. Hmm. She opened a branch of the bank in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and then had plans to open offices in Philadelphia and New York. To keep up with the demand. Damn, okay. Just doing well. Um, so many women who deposited money in the ladies' deposit company reinvested their profits back into the bank, putting their faith in entire life savings into Sarah's business. Yikes. She became so rich in such a short amount of time that she bought a $50,000 mansion in Boston with a $20,000 down payment in cash. Fuck. So that'd be like walking into an open house with five million on hand in today's money. <sighs> I mean, people still put twenty thousand down for yeah. a house. Yeah, you know, it's wow. So all told, the ladies' deposit would gather at least two hundred and fifty thousand dollars from eight hundred women. Wow. Although historians think that more women were involved, some estimated that Howe collected more than $500,000 or the equivalent of about $13 million today. Fuck. Bitch was wealthy. Damn. But on September 25th, 1880, the Boston Daily Advertiser began a series of stories talking about the ladies' deposit bank. Okay. They, so the story has it that no men were allowed in the bank at all. They couldn't even like go inside any part of the bank. So they like. It says it in the title. It's for ladies to deposit. That's exactly right. So like, so all these like um, journalists and like newspaper people and reporters were like trying to get in there to like write stories. And she would like be like, no, you're not allowed in. Like, stay the fuck out. And they got like really upset about it. And then like try and put on a dress and a wig. So the Boston Daily Advertiser sent an undercover reporter (laughs) dressed as a woman (laughs) to infiltrate the bank. Oh my God. And I think that they they got in. Of course they don't have any female reporters. No, you can't. Yeah. Look, the job was... Widow, uh, school marm, or fucking housekeeper were your options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they somehow got in, I think, and then they, like, came out with this multi-part story. Her 8% returns were too good to be true. They were like, we need to find out... How she's doing this. How she's doing this. Yeah. So... So what was happening was... Sarah Howe was operating a Ponzi scheme. Aha! Uh-huh. 40 years before Charles Ponzi even did it. So it should be called the it Howe scheme. It should be the scheme. Howe scheme. It should be fucking the Howe scheme. Wow. Yeah. Bullshit. Here's how it worked. <laughs> when a new depositor arrived, Sarah would use their money to pay out older clients. So the whole scam required a constant influx of new depositors to pay out the old ones. Yep. 
Her scam cleverly placed a limit on withdrawals, uh. unlike Ponzi. And so she would allow savers to draw only from accumulated interest payments and not from their original capital. She justified this by saying that it would prevent members from frivolously wasting their money. Oh, she's Because so women nice. can't handle money. Well, you know, she is the head banker lady. Mm-hmm. She knows the proper ways about your money. She knows that women are frivolous. Frivolous. We can't hold on to money for shit, you know? I mean, you just see marms left and right. Just you gotta buying... buy the marmalade. Oh, God. The marmalade. The marmalade. So enticing. That is what they call it when you buy things frivolously. <laughs> marmalade. 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 So, like every other Ponzi scheme or how scheme, I should mm-hmm. say, if you don't have more money coming in, you're going to run out right. of money. So, the series of stories run in the advertiser instilled enough fear in the investors of the bank that they began to withdraw their money. Uh-oh. They were panicking. Yeah. So the number of new depositors dried up and existing savers began like demanding their money back. Yeah. So Sarah began starting to repay, handing out $80,000, but Ooh. it didn't restore confidence. She's like, look, you can have your money back. Like, let's just keep it going. I clearly am doing the right thing. Yeah. I'm not stealing your money. Uh, but then... Basically, when they were like, no, give us our fucking money, she went on the run with $50,000 of the bank's money. Just a bunch of little piggies in a wheelbarrow. (laughs) Should we put piggies on our money? Yeah. Piggies. Yeah, we're like greedy animals. We could put those on the like. I think animals can be greedy. Big money. Only humans are greedy animals. Oh, and that's why humans are on the money. Uh. Oh. I still think cats. Cats are not greedy. Maybe cats and dogs on money would be cute. Bunnies on money. Bunny money. Bunny money. (laughs) That's adorable. Do you have any bunny money? I'm a little short today. (laughs) Or you'd be like, I'll give you two bunnies for a cat. Yeah. I'll give you two fish for a donkey. Just all about bartering now. Yeah. Fun. Okay, so it took two weeks and five days from the first story published in the advertiser before Sarah was arrested. Almost immediately, the press jumped on the opportunity to use her case as a shining example of how women can't be trusted with money because of the marmalading. This is why they weren't allowed in the banks before. This is exactly it, yeah. They just go marmalading all mm-hmm. around town, willy nilly. We're so irresponsible. We cannot be trusted Ugh. with fucking money. Not even the marms. But and then names. it's like it's like oh like you can't trust women with money. But then like you can't put your money in a bank if you're a woman either. So it's like well here's what how am we solve it. Women are just not allowed to have money. Well, I think that's kind of what they're shooting yeah. for. Yeah. But what about the school marms and the housekeepers well, and the widows? They need. Okay, see, she's upset about it. Not all women are protected well, see, that's by the male problem. guardians. They need male guardians. They need to yes, have a signed so male guardian. So if you guardians. don't have one, yes, there should be like an adoption center yeah. for unprotected women. Yeah. They get adopted yeah. by a guardian male. Uh-huh. And then and you then... have to give him your money yeah. and he will know what to do because he's not going to go marmalading around town. That's right, because he's a man and he's wise. Yes. Yes. Men don't marmalade. They don't marmalade. They promenade, they don't marmalade. <laughs> okay. So they were like, 
basically victim blaming hardcore. Uh-huh. They deserved it because they trusted a woman with yeah. their money. Well, what are you gonna do? Bankers Magazine uh-huh. wrote that all sane persons knew the bank was a fraud, yep. implying that only women were foolish enough to fall for the scam well, because women aren't sane. They're the only ones going in there making deposits, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, part of it's kind of like, part of it's like if it wasn't even a fraud, they would have found a way to tear it down anyway because it's like a space they're not invited in. Yep. And then it's like, Something oh, what's bad. happening yeah. in there? Like women are gathering, like they're plotting and whatever. It's so stupid. So they, the Daily Advertiser said that the case revealed the childlike ignorance and simplicity of women. Ah, uh, yes. And that we must despair of teaching the female sex business principles. I mean, they shouldn't be learning. Let's be real. Let's be real. A woman's place is to, to be, be teaching but not learning. Well, they shouldn't even be teaching. Really? They should just be a womb. A warm womb. A womb room. They should be womb rooms for our children, preferably boys. If we can help it. Let's if we can only help it. But we boys. do need more womb rooms. That's right. You know, so. That's right. Well, that's the trick. It's like the, um, what's it called? <sighs> Moving on, because I just had a brain moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Harper's Bazaar. Also, I love that these like magazines and like newspapers and stuff, like some of them still exist. And you're like, how did you hold on by saying such problematic things? Money, money, money. Bunny. Bunny, money, bunny, money. <laughs> That's how. So Harper's Bazaar titled a full article about Sarah women's business ignorance well (laughs) it's like oh women are so ignorant about business but we should also not teach them about business it's like well then how are they not like a woman's place is not in business fucking a you know that one victim told the boston globe i put every dollar i had into the bank and if i lose it i'm a beggar Ugh. Another said, I wanted the interest so badly that I placed a mortgage on my furniture to secure the principal to deposit. Oh, I wish I hadn't now, for I shall have my goods sold from under my head. Oh, no. I know. I didn't know you could do that. Probably not anymore. No, I don't think. (laughs) Furniture's worth, like, nothing. nothing. (laughs) Sentimental value, of course. So Sarah was, like, dragged through the mud in the newspapers. I mean, rightfully so, in a way. The Boston Herald claimed that Sarah was nearly as deaf as a post, which, (laughs) what? And cross-eyed. Okay, now we're coming at her looks. Banker's Magazine, oh, it gets bad. Banker's Magazine described her as short, fat, very ugly, and so illiterate as to be unable to write an English sentence or to speak without making shameful blunders. Yes. Which, she, like, no. owned a fucking uh, yeah. business. Uh, nope, she's was, ugly. Like, convincing she's... women to, like, join her business. I mean... She's a portly, ugly woman, so obviously she doesn't know. You, like, can't write or read or speak, and then people are like, yes, I will put my money in your bank. Yes, yes. genius. This sounds good. Well, it was the uh, the enticing little piggy banks. They were so cute. They were so damn cute. <laughs> and like that nice furniture, you could just go and like have an afternoon in that bank. <laughs> yeah, going for afternoon tea. 
So this whole time, though, Sarah had been, like, talking to the press, and she was, like, very sharp-witted, and, like, clearly this was just, like, dragging her down because she was a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) because she wouldn't let men into her bank, and they were just like, oh, women are so stupid to have believed her, and she's, like, so short and ugly and, like, (laughs) illiterate. Like, how could they have believed her? And, like, all kinds of bullshit. So, in response to... You know you can only believe tall, beautiful, slender women. That's right. hmm Oh, my God. So, forever ago... Remember the Tyra Banks show? Yeah. When she had her own talk show? She did this one episode where she, like, had these... I think they were twins, like, identical twins come in, and they were, like, conventionally, like, good-looking or whatever. Uh-huh. And she's like, we're going to do an experiment to see, like, oh who God. gets hired at the job and if, like, <laughs> looks really matter. So then they, like, created these resumes for these two women, and then they, like, dressed one down, uh-huh. and they, like, you know, did the makeup and the, like... Made her quote-unquote ugly. Yeah, made her yeah. in, like, the dumpy clothes uh-huh. and, like, whatever. And, um, and then they, like, went in for their job interview or whatever, but the thing that was stupid about it was, like, when they were creating the resumes, like, instead of they, like, going for a job and then writing a resume, like, you have experience with that specific job, they, like, picked, like, some other random job. And they're like, oh, yeah, she has, like, 10 years experience doing this thing. And, I like, I was in, like, high school watching this and being like, she's not going to get the job. She has no experience, like, on paper. And then the other one, like, they, like, literally wrote, like, no. They were just like, oh, she worked at, like, a... I don't remember. She just, like, did, like, retail or something. And they were like, oh, so you're good with people. And she was like, yeah, like, whatever. But anyway, it was, like, so fucking stupid. I was like, yeah. This is not a good experiment. No. You send him in with the exact same resume. Yeah. I don't know. Tyra. Or it would have been interesting, too, to send the dumpy one with, like, a better resume. Super qualified. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I don't know who wrote for that show. Well, it's not on. It didn't last very long, did it? I don't know. I don't know. No offense, Tyra. Still I mean, love you. I don't know. Do we? I don't know. Do we? Did she ever do anything bad? <laughs> I don't know. I just, the whole modeling industry is like. The only thing mm. about her is that I feel like she was always like, she's always like, fuck being like super skinny. I'm not super skinny. Like she was when she was younger, obviously, when she started and she was like 16. She's she was always like skinny. super skinny. But then she was like, well, she was like curvier. So she had to be like Victoria's Secret because she actually wasn't like uh, yeah. literally like uh-huh. anorexic. But, um,. So I appreciated her being like, don't make yourself sick, sickly skinny. Like, you don't have to do that to, like, have a career. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about oh, her. Yep. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. So in response to one of the newspaper's critiques of the ladies' deposit bank, Sarah wrote, uh-huh. illiterate, <gasps> She wrote, can't write. Was it just, like, squares, triangle, <laughs> squiggle, squiggle, happy face? The fact is, my dear man, you really know nothing of the basis, means, or methods on which our affairs are conducted, and when shut up in the meshes of our savings bank notions, you attempt an exposition of the impossibility of our existence. You boggle and flounder about like a bat in a fly trap. <coughs> so she's using like similes. She's like fucking putting it down. Yeah. Nevertheless, as soon as she was caught, a backstory. Sure well, a backstory emerged in the papers. Oh God! The Boston Herald published a story with the headline "Mrs. Howe's Unsavory Record," mm. claiming she was born out of wedlock. Ew! And ran away at fifteen to marry an Indian physician. Oh! 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 Who they 
also referred to as her dark-skinned Othello. Ew. <laughs> it's like that's Rude. For, okay. If she did really marry like a doctor, cool, great. And he, they're like, oh, but he's an Indian doctor, so, so clearly count. he's like sketchy. I was like okay. so fucking wrong. Okay. okay. <laughs> The paper claimed the marriage caused her mother such distress that she wound up dying in an asylum, mm. raving over the heartlessness of her daughter. Ah, uh, hysterical the woman. The Boston Herald is still a thing. Just yep. going to say that. Yep. Money. Okay. Okay. The story also alleged that she had left her first husband, married two house painters in quick succession, Whoa. had been in and out of prison, and even tried to lure a young girl into prostitution. <laughs> Basically, none of this was confirmed what? or could be confirmed, but it didn't she matter. She went from marrying a doctor. Indian physician. Physician to two house painters mm-hmm. in a row. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. So uh, basically, they're just trying to paint her as a villain, yep. right? As historian George Robb wrote in his paper about Sarah, she had to be ugly, vulgar, and immoral. <laughs> the only way her story could make sense to readers is was if Sarah was some kind of abomination. What? Because they because back in the day and even now, like women are painted as like the compassionate, the fairer sex. Like yeah. women don't manipulate. Women aren't scammers. Like women don't pull one over on people. I mean, even like the Ponzi scheme being named the Ponzi scheme when clearly like she was one of the first to do it. Yeah. And it's not like named after her because there's like this whole at the end of one of the articles that kind of talked about how like some people fear that bringing up women who do these things will like take women like back. You know, because it's already so hard to gain footing and to be like, no, we can do things, too. Where it's like, look, we can fucking manipulate and scam, too. Yes, but but she was an ugly woman who she had to be. She was illiterate. She didn't even know what she was doing. Yeah. 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 So So the historian said, I'm sure she was just a normal looking person until the whole thing unraveled. When people talked about her, no one described her as anything other than an ordinary person. But. Like I said, the idea that a woman could be a criminal and an ordinary person was impossible. Well, and also, like, it just reminds me of, like, okay, like, during the whole, like, witches, like, mm-hmm. scare where it's like, no, they were probably just regular women who, like, brewed a tea and was like, hey, this will help your stomach. And then, like, witches, that when we think of witches now, we think of, like, old, decrepit, like, gnarled yeah, women the with, warts like, on their faces, big nose green and wart skin. and, like, disgusting yeah. and, like, living in, like, this hut in the woods and they eat children yeah. and, like, all this stuff and it's, like... It's just a way to take okay. power away from women. Yet yeah. again, women are, like, if they're not at home having children, then they're, like, evil and not to be trusted. Gotta be a womb And, room. like, temptresses and, like, it's just, like, bullshit. Yep. So basically, women could be victims, but the men were like the crooks, and men were the manipulators, and women needed to be protected by mm-hmm. other men. Mm-hmm. And these women were like unprotected, so clearly that's why they wound up oh, in yeah. this situation. They were just seduced by cute piggy banks and marmalade. They wanted a marmalade. No, they were protecting themselves from marmalading, <laughs> and it didn't work out. Oh. So Sarah's stood trial in Boston and at the time she was broke so she wasn't able to pay the $500 bail. Ooh. 
She was ultimately convicted, not of fraud, but soliciting money under false pretenses because she claimed that the bank was a Quaker charity. (laughs) So they're like, you lied. You're going to jail. She spent three years in prison. And when she got out, she tried the whole thing again. Oh. She opened up a new women's bank on West Concord Street in Boston. She kept the scam going from 1884 to 1886, offering depositors 7% interest. But this bank also collapsed. Mm. Um, She did get away with $50,000. But this time she got off because her victims were too embarrassed to say anything. We fell for it again. Damn it. She was never prosecuted. So after being caught and closing down her bank, she gave up the game and returned to fortune telling and doing astrology readings for 25 cents each. Okay. She died in 1892 at the age of 65, no longer wealthy, but still notorious enough to get an obituary in the New York Times that said... For three months, she has been living in a boarding and lodging house, carefully keeping from those whom she met the knowledge that she was the notorious Mrs. Howe of women's bank memory. The ugly, wicked, <laughs> crooked, big nose, Can't wart, speak. green skin. Short, fat, ugly. <laughs> woman Mrs. who was married three times. Gross. Out of wedlock. Drove her mother crazy. And, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's the original Ponzi scheme. I mean, the how scheme. The how scheme. Ponzi is a fun name, but. It is fun to say. This is the how scheme. House scheme. <laughs> well, the tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right. So the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't really think that she was a scrambled egg or a tossed salad. I think she was just, uh, someone well no but look she did take advantage of like a very vulnerable population she did no i guess what i'm trying to say is that she at the time too when it's like i mean women can't do anything she like yeah she took advantage she she was a bitch she took advantage of vulnerable people for sure but she also found a way to manipulate the system for herself just like all the other men were doing yes no but i think she is a toss salad because she knew what she was doing was wrong and it yeah. is wrong i mean people lost their life Livelihoods. their life savings like over yeah. 800 women bought into this and it was that thing where it's like they have nowhere else but their money and she was like the original pyramid scheme multi-level marketing person where she was like come join my bank get other people to join my bank like sisterhood women girl power and like 
all that. And they were like, okay, yeah, finally someone who's doing something for us, like finally somewhere where we can put our money where it will be safe. Finally, we can also like live like how the men are living. Like we can be self-sufficient. Like we can do this. Yeah, sisterhood. And then so she, she was, was just like, as bad and took advantage of Just them. kidding. <laughs> okay, I changed my mind. She's a tossed salad. Yeah. No. On the one hand, it's like, fuck yeah, women can be just as horrible yeah. as men. Yeah. Yeah, we can. And at the same time, like, come on, Sarah. <laughs> come on. Get it together, lady. And it sounds like maybe she was marmalading because by the end of it, she was broke. <laughs> she marmaladed all over town. I mean, from 13, $13 million to a boarding house. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Not very good at investing herself. Yeah. Well. Marmaladen. Marmaladen. Okay. Okay. Uh, I got a lot of my information from a show on Investigation Discovery. Oh, I love it. Called Dead North. I've never heard of it. It was like a four-parter, like, just on oh, this case. One story deal. Yeah. I uh, got some information from Rolling Stone, Medium, All Things Interesting, and Investigation Discovery. So I'm just going to start out. Jump right in. Jump in. With both feet. Oof. On October 27th, 2014, Terry O'Donnell went to the police station in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan in Iron River to report her boyfriend, 53-year-old Christopher Carl Reagan, missing. Uh-oh. So Iron River is a very remote area that's really... I feel like Michigan's very remote. <laughs> well, this is, like, even more remote. Like It's like the tundra. It has a population of 2,800 people. It's, like, mostly forested, and it butts up to Canada. So, like, it's just, like, a lot of forests, a lot of trees... I'm picturing a lot of snow. During the winter, yes. All year round. Terry said that she hadn't been able to get in touch with Christopher for almost two weeks. So she like... It took her two weeks to report him missing? Yeah. I mean, she'd been trying to get in touch with him, but they were kind of like on again, off again. Um, They were trying to reconcile and they'd been talking a lot, but I guess it wasn't like too unlike them to kind of go a few days without talking and they had they were supposed to meet up and then she was like um i haven't heard from him i haven't been able to get a hold of him so now i'm worried because it's I just not feel like, like him. when you're on again off again there's like a reason for that so like why go on again uh i understand it's complicated and yeah i don't know it seemed like they were kind of both they're headed towards like getting back together um I mean, I'm not like, you know, we've all been there. Yeah. And I mean, and also a small town. (laughs) The only person. (laughs) Uh, So she like brought a picture into the police and described him as a white male, about six foot one, blonde hair, blue eyes, thin build. And um, she didn't have a picture. No, she did. She had a picture and then was like. Because, oh, you know, a picture you can't tell it. how yeah, big yeah. he is. I yeah. get it. I get it. He wasn't standing next to one of those, like... <laughs> Charts. Rulers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she said that it wasn't like him to not respond to her calls and texts, so she felt that something terrible had happened to him. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, they had been they had been friends for years before they started dating, and then they started dating, and they were 
pretty serious for about a year and a half. And then um, Chris wanted to, he was getting kind of like over living in that area and he wanted to move somewhere else. So he ended up like getting hired in, I believe, North Carolina, but like he hadn't started the job or anything. He was still working in um, Iron River. So I think that might have been, I don't know, part of why they were kind of like splitting up because he wasn't sure where he was going. Yeah, and I get so it. Yeah, she yeah. She was like, "Well, I'm here," and like, whatever. So right. Um. So. Do, do, do. I mean, I wouldn't want to move to North Carolina either. No. She told the detectives that the last time that they had spoken was October 14th, and during that call, he told her that he that was when he told her that he found a job in North Carolina, and he was like super excited. To and then move that's there. it. He's like, "I'm gonna move to North Carolina." She's like, "Cool." Well. He, I mean, because they were kind of like talking, you know, maybe she's going to, who knows. I don't know if, if he asked her to move with him or if it was like one of those things they were just going to do long distance and see where, if right. they were going to get back together. I just feel like that's such a weird place to not talk after. Well, he also, he said that he like, he had an, uh, an appointment on the 15th for the job. Like he had to go into this place and get drug tested and, um, and like he had an appointment and he was supposed to call her after the appointment to let her know how it went or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she didn't hear from him, but she thought like maybe he's just busy, like packing and doing all that stuff. Okay. So give him some space. Um, her parents were actually his landlords. So she told They didn't the, live together? No. Okay. So she told the detectives that like, okay, my parents are his landlords, so I can get a key to his apartment and we right. can go look. So they were like, great, let's go to his apartment and take a look. Why wouldn't she do that before? I'm not sure. I don't know if she wanted like a police escort just to have them look. Maybe she went before and she didn't tell them. I don't know. Okay. But they went into the apartment and I guess Chris was like a really orderly and neat person. Like everything was always like clean and had purpose. And, yeah. you know, so when they walked in, it like... It looked like he had been packing. Like, there were boxes half-packed. Uh-uh. There were... Excuse me. Oh, it was a little too warm now uh, for yeah, your recording yeah. robe? Uh, yeah, there were boxes that were half-packed. There were to-do lists of things he needed to get done before he could move. And everything was just kind of, like, in disarray. It didn't necessarily look like someone came in and, like, rifled through his stuff. Right, but it just looked that like someone's in the process of he was going the through of, their shit yeah, and packing. yeah. Which is, yeah, disarray, stress. But they also found, like, his medication and Uh -uh. his glasses and things that he wouldn't have left for, like, longer than a day. Yeah. And and then they found out that he... So they called the, the drug testing place and they found out that he never made it to that appointment. Ooh. And Terry said that there was no reason other than something bad happening to him for him to miss that appointment because he was super excited about yeah. it. And he was going to have no, he would have no problem passing the drug test. Like he didn't do any drugs, you know, like maybe had a beer or two every once in a while, but like was just like a clean, pretty straightforward guy. Right. So they, um, so they're trying to figure out like what happened and, they ended up coming across his car in oh. a in a parking lot. Mm-mm. This is a parking lot of a park and ride on the outskirts of Iron River. 
and it had appe- it appeared that it had been there basically the entire two weeks that he's been missing. Oh God! So park and ride, you can get like public transportation. I think so. Like a bus or something. It might have been for a or bus something. or something. And it was kind okay. of like near this lake, and it was like a little parking lot that yeah people could like leave their car there to go, probably catch a bus or something to go somewhere else or. Okay. Uh, Terry was concerned because she couldn't think of any reason for his car to be parked there. And when they got to the car, it was late at night and the car was locked. And they observed through the window that his knee brace was in the car and he had been wearing it because he had recently had knee surgery and like he needed to be wearing, he should be wearing it. Yeah. So the car was taken to be processed and in the meantime, his credit card and phone history were gone through. Mm-hmm. And they found out that the last time he used his credit card was on October 14th at a gas station in Iron River. And that CCTV at the gas station confirmed it was Chris. And they saw him like get out of his car and buy gas. And they like saw what he was wearing so they could yeah. you know, be like on the APB. Yeah, like look out for this guy. He's yeah. wearing this, whatever. Or and Bolo or Bolo. Whatever. And that was the last time anyone saw him. That's amazing. The one time that CCTV cameras actually worked, yeah. they didn't catch anything yeah. well, except just, for what he was wearing. They saw him get out of his car, pump gas, use his card. Crazy. So they were like, well, he used the card the last time it was used. No one right. else has used it since. Damn. Police were Dead sus- end. Yeah. Police were kind of suspicious of Terry. Yeah. Because, you know, normally it's sure. the person closest to the missing person who Plus, was suspected like, first. Two weeks. Had access to his apartment, didn't go in. Didn't report it. Yeah. Yeah. He's moving away. Maybe she's like upset that he's leaving her. Right. Um, And she actually like lived pretty close to where his car was found. Oh. And of course they had a romantic relationship that was like on and off again. And uh, she also told the detectives that she knew that he was talking to other women online. Uh, Oh. So they thought that maybe Terry was like a jealous girlfriend and something happened. Yeah. So they interrogated her for a while, but they found her to be truthful and they didn't believe that she was involved in his disappearance. Lucky mm-hmm. for her. Police then focused their attention on a man who had a criminal record that lived right next door to Chris in his apartment complex. Mm. His name was Dale Vassar. And Dale had helped Chris repair some drywall in his apartment. And it was like, and Terry said that Chris was not happy with Dale's work. Uh-oh. Because, um, like I said, Chris was very particular and, like, a little bit anal about, like, yeah. good work. And they thought that maybe he, like, confronted Dale about his work. And maybe Dale, because Dale has a criminal record and he was Do also... Do we know what his criminal record I is? didn't look into it. Okay. But it was also, like, known that he had a bit of a temper. Oh. So the police were like, maybe they got into a fight that ended badly. Yeah, he's like, dude, your work's shoddy. And he's like, the fuck? Right. So they brought Dale in and they interviewed him. Uh, but it didn't really lead anywhere. And they found out that actually when Chris disappeared, Dale was not even in the state. Oh. So, yeah. dead end. Sure. Lucky Dale. Mm-hmm. So next, they turned to Chris's employer, Oldenburg, which was a factory that manufactured naval ship parts. Oh. And Chris was an Air Force veteran who um, 
he was like a higher up in the air force and he had a natural ability to lead people so he was like quickly promoted to supervisor when he was there damn but that meant that there were some people that had been working there longer than him mm-hmm. that believed they deserved the position before him so there were some people that didn't like him sure more so, jealousy angles yeah. so they talked to like a lot of people that worked there uh, they found out that Chris had showed up to work on the 14th, which was the last day that anyone saw him. Right. And that he had requested the 15th off so he could go get For the drug, drug test. test. Yeah. And he was supposed to come back on the 16th, but he never right. showed up, oh. which was not like him at all because he was very punctual and like would let, would call and let people know. And that no he one was... from work called to. Nope. Missing persons? Nope. Huh. There was a rumor that he was having an affair with an with another employee at Oldenburg. Uh-oh. Her name is call it Kali. Tell us about Kali. <laughs> Her name is Kelly Cochran. She was a married woman. Uh oh, Kelly. Their workstations were close to each other's. Romantic. And that's how they met. Oh. Kelly was an electronics assembler. Oh. And she was very outgoing, but seemed to have issues at home. Oh, why? Because she's like... (laughs) (laughs) During a meeting with her supervisor, she confided in the supervisor that her husband had tried to kill himself (gasps) and her (gasps) once. What? That's scary. So the red flags were raised in the minds of the detectives. Uh, yeah, violent much? Uh, was, was this man having an affair with a woman with a violent husband? Right. So they decided to find Kelly and see if she knew where Chris was. Yeah. So they went, they found her house. Okay. Knocked on the door. A man answered and said his name was Jason Cochran and that he was Kelly's husband. Okay. When they asked if they could talk to Kelly, he got kind of defensive and was getting kind of rude uh, with the detectives. Oh. And he told them that she wasn't home and that he didn't know where she was, but that she would be home in about an hour. How, how would you know when she's <laughs> going to be home? You don't even know where she is. But just as he said that, a woman appeared behind <gasps> him and it was Kelly. Uh-oh. <laughs> who had been there the whole time. Oh, Kelly. And... Uh, yeah, in contrast to Jason, Kelly was, like, super friendly and relaxed and was Wait, just... do you think that he, like, answered the door and, like, didn't consult her and was just like, she's not here? And then she's like, uh, here I am. Yeah, when they asked Jason why he lied, Kelly replied that he thought that she might be in trouble, so he was just protecting her. Whatever, this dude sounds sketch. They informed her that Chris Reagan was missing, yeah. and they asked her if she had recent contact with him. She said that they had spoken on the 14th or the 15th, and since then she had tried to get a hold of him but couldn't. Hmm. They asked her if her and Chris had been having an affair, and Kelly said yes, they had, and that her husband was okay with it. No. What? No. During this whole exchange, Jason, her husband, was standing there emotionless. Why didn't they ask to speak to her alone? Yep. Especially, okay, you're a police officer, you hear, oh, this woman confided in me that her husband tried to kill himself and her. You go to the house, he's right there. You're not like, oh, can we talk to you, like, privately, please? They didn't. The fuck? So the whole time Jason... like, bad police work. Jason's standing there emotionless, and he said nothing. Yeah, what? Yeah, what? And... Kelly was, like, very, she seemed like she was very concerned about Chris's disappearance, and she was, like, 
she was like, I want you to inform me if you find anything, like, I want to know. And then she was like, okay, you know, she's like, you know, I hope that he didn't just move to North Carolina without saying goodbye. Oh, like, she's setting it up. Let me know if he, yeah, if you find him. Yeah. I hope he didn't just like leave everything behind mm-hmm. while he's like mid packing and he's already like an anal dude. So the next day, Kelly and Jason were invited down to the police station for questioning. And they came in and agreed to be interviewed separately. <laughs> Finally? <laughs> Fucking I. Kelly came off, again, as being super friendly and willing to talk to detectives. That's always, like, weird to me just because, like, talking to police officers is always a very uncomfortable, intimidating experience. Uh-huh. So people who are just, like, able to overcome that, like... And just, like, be all friendly and shit. It's like, what mm-hmm. kind of sociopath are you? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. So she said that the last time she saw him was for dinner at his apartment. She said that they had dinner together almost every night at his place. And what? that he had gone to her place for dinner a handful of times. That is so uncomfortable. <laughs> the fuck? She said that Chris was a good guy and that she loved him. Okay. They asked her if they should be looking into her husband for Chris's disappearance since she was having an affair and he might have gotten jealous. And she said that that wasn't the case, that Jason knew about their relationship, and that Chris wasn't the only other man that Kelly was seeing. Kelly, what? (laughs) She said that her and Jason had separated for a little while um, because of his medical issues. (laughs) What? Apparently, he, like, used to, um, like, service pools. Like, I don't know if he was, like, cleaning pools or, like, whatever he was doing with them. And he ended up getting, like, really a really bad back due to it. Oh, okay. And because of that, she said that he couldn't be very physical without being in pain all the time. And so they they came to an agreement that she could see other guys if they stayed married. What kind of deal is that? (laughs) The fuck? You know, she needs to get her physicalness, physicalities out with someone else because he can't do it. But he didn't want to give up marriage. Sounds like a toxic relationship. (laughs) After Kelly's interview, they called in Jason and he told the interrogator that. So he like starts the interview by saying that he has really bad anxiety and that a month ago he was actually institutionalized because of it. So that if he seems nervous, it's just because of that. Because he's anxious. <laughs> Dude, everyone's nervous when they talk to the cops. Like, you're going to seem anxious anyway. And then out of nowhere, he started crying. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> That's so much pressure. And it seemed very strange to the interrogator. Uh, I don't know. I feel like when I'm, like, super scared, I might cry in front of a police officer. Yeah. I don't think they're aware of how they come off. Some of them. I don't know. Well, they just use it against you. They do. It's like no matter how you respond to them. Yeah. So they figured that he probably knew more than he was saying. Because like he cried? Blubbering away. And he's like, I'm just an anxious person. I don't know. And they asked him if he knew about Kelly's affairs. And he said that he wasn't happy about it. But he knew that she had been seeing other people for the last few months. He said he only knew the names of the people she was seeing, but he but that he had never met them or seen them. And he said that him and Kelly had nothing to do with Chris's disappearance. Okay. 
he told them that when he was sick, like with his back and everything, um, his body was like would like give out basically, and that Shit. because of that he was unable to work or have sex, and his marriage was going downhill at the time, and that's when he agreed that she could see other people. He said that he was afraid that if he didn't let her see other people, that she would divorce him, and he didn't want that. Why not? Well, they had been together since high school, oh, no. and they were in their mid thirties now. And <laughs> they're they just, still so fucking young. They just that uh, that was it. He didn't think he could find anyone else. Um, oh my god! And he's like falling apart, and she's like the love of his life. That he tried to kill, yeah, or was that well, a lie? That's what she said. Right. Okay. Never mind. So, and then on the, on the 16th, which was two days after Chris went missing, right. Jason checked himself into a psychiatric hospital because he was Damn. suicidal. He said he was there for five days and he never in his life had threatened Kelly's life, only his own. Okay. In the meantime, the military was out helping search for Chris in the forested areas they had helicopters out and search dogs out. Wow. Because uh, it was imperative that they found him soon before winter sets in and oh, everything God, is covered in, in Michigan. snow. Yeah. Fuck. Police interviewed the third guy that Kelly was seeing. Kelly. Named Eric Erickson. Shut up. Oh, that's so mean. That's so mean. Uh, Eric Eric's Erickson. Eric Erickson. What's his middle name? Eric. <laughs> Triple E. Uh, maybe they thought maybe they had the wrong jealous boyfriend. So they were like, let's <laughs> talk to this other boyfriend. I just feel like the timing of checking yourself into like a mental health facility. Ooh, red flags. Yeah, a little um, uh, coincidental. Yeah, something. <laughs> yeah. And so they, they were talking to Eric Erickson and <laughs> they said that he came across as very forthcoming and he wasn't nervous or hiding anything. How are you not nervous and talking to a police officer? I don't know. I don't get it. When asked when... Give me your skills. Give me your skills. When asked when he and Kelly started dating, he said in September, which was like a month before Chris went missing, he said that he also... Oh, he, he said that also for their first date, he took Kelly to this lake and that they had parked at the park and ride nearby, the same oh. one that Chris's car had been found at. He said that Kelly told him that he that she had never been to that parking lot before, and b- before he had showed it to her yeah, that day. Yeah. So the police thought that that was interesting. That is very interesting. And Eric agreed to take a polygraph test without question. Of course he did. And he passed with flying colors. Yes. As he was leaving, Eric told detectives to keep an eye on Jason. Okay. He said that Kelly described him as being unstable and having mental issues. And you're like, yeah, I'm super on board having an affair with you when your husband has mental issues. She told him that... And is unstable. This sounds safe and fun. (laughs) Yeah, she told him that that, uh, Jason had gotten physical with her before and had threatened her. Okay, in that case... But then he also told the detectives that Kelly can't be trusted and that she lied all the time. <laughs> yeah, she sounds like a great partner. Uh-huh. Oh. So the, the police were able to issue a search warrant for the Cochrane house. And they found, well, they, they asked 
them if they had any weapons in the house. Mm -hmm. And Kelly willfully pointed out the twenty-two caliber gun that was, like, just hanging out there, fully loaded. Of course. And uh, then the Cochrans were asked to leave the house as it was searched. Yes. So they went across the street to their neighbor's house. And the police, um, in their search, found a bunch of knives and swords and Fucking I. Uh, another unregistered gun in the house. And when the crime lab technicians came, they found blood splatter with, like, luminol. But the blood had been, like, cleaned and painted over. And it was, like, on the ceiling in the living room. Even if it's painted over, you can still see it? With the luminol. Crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so there was a no- there. So the only problem was that there wasn't yet enough evidence to arrest the Cochrans, because the crime lab would have to like run the test to see what kind of blood it was. Or, could like... you even tell like if it's painted over? No. I mean, what do you mean? Could you tell? Like, what blood type and stuff? No, like you can't I mean, get I don't a sample. Know. I don't know. Well, they were they they scraped it to send to the lab to get a sample. Oh. Because they said that it looked like uh blood splatter like when someone like hits someone with a blunt object and then like, like like what's it called casting cast off cast off yeah that's what it looked like but they couldn't really tell because it was like painted over so they had the crime lab come in and get a sample that's crazy um and then and also the cochran's both had clean criminal records so they were like well we don't really have anything to go off of except for like this could possibly be blood up here but we don't know if it's animal blood or if it's human blood or what it is i would hope that it wouldn't be any kind of blood yep you would hope yeah we just slaughtered a fucking animal in our living room it's fine (laughs) this is the the slaughter room yeah so the next morning detectives were like we need to go talk to kelly and jason one more time and of course they were gone of course they're fucking gone (laughs) So police interviewed the neighbors that the Cochran's... Wait, wait, wait. They they were like, can we search your house? And they were yeah. like, yeah, they didn't have a warrant. No, they did. They oh, they did. What they go based off of a warrant? I don't know. Just that they were like the last people to talk to him I or think, something? yeah. And their, the phone records showed that, that Kelly was the last person that Chris had called or texted. Um, and I think... Jason's phone also came up as the la- one of the last numbers that uh, that was that Chris had called or texted. And according to Jason, Kelly often would use his phone <laughs> Fun. for yeah, things. So he was like, I didn't talk to him, but Kelly probably did on my phone. She's like, here's my husband's phone number. <laughs> if you can't reach me through mine, call mm-hmm. his. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fuck? This is so dysfunctional. Yeah, so like I said, the police went to the neighbors that the Cochrans had gone to while they were their house was being searched, and the neighbors said that the whole time that they were there, they were both acting really nervous. Why would you even invite them in? Well, it was like cold out. Still, it's They're like, oh, police are going through your house to think you know. murdered someone. They didn't sure, know. Sure, come they on were in. There. They said that. Like, normally, Jason was very, like, relaxed and chill and just, like, easygoing. And Kelly was, like, kind of in your face all the time. Gross. And, but during that time, they said that Jason didn't say anything and Kelly would not shut up. Fun. (laughs) And the neighbors also said that they noticed that the Cochran's left the night. Like, once the police left, they, like, got in their car and drove away. And they hadn't seen them since. 
The chief of police asked the neighbors if they saw or heard anything suspicious around the time Chris went missing, and they said, yeah, they did. They said that, like, no one had come to ask them, uh, and they definitely heard some weird shit. The neighbors? Yep. Why? Okay. I understand. I don't know. I feel like you see cops over at your neighbor's house, and you're just waiting for them to come ask you questions. Don't you think you would go over and be like... Hey guys. I don't know. The, here's like what I think we it would heard. Depend on your neighbors. I mean, I just wish we were all like in this together a little bit more. Uh, we're not. <laughs> we should be. So they said that the night of the 14th, they heard a gunshot. Then they heard some loud screaming. Wow. And then they heard car doors slamming and two vehicles leaving. See, like, things like this wouldn't... (sighs) Call the police. Like, just call the police. That's, like, their fucking job. I just feel like if if I hear a gunshot and people screaming, I'm going to be scared for my life, too. But then again, if you're, like, in a neighborhood that's, like, kind of out in the country where you're used to hearing gunshots, like, and... In the neighborhood and people screaming and then, like, leaving? I don't know. I don't know. Um, If you you feel okay, like, go next door and be like, hey, what's going on? And if not, like, call the police and be like, hey, this is what I heard. Well, they also said that in the following days, they heard what they thought sounded like power tools in the middle of the night. Like, like, what the fuck? At, like, two or three in the morning, like, for multiple nights in a row. And it was, like, continuous power tools. Yeah, so that's pretty suspicious. (laughs) Well, the Cochrane said that they were remodeling their house. And that's in the middle were... <laughs> of the fucking night? Then you call in a noise complaint no. because who wants to listen to power tools in the middle of the fucking night? You know, Kelly has got a full-time job during the day. Don't you think there are, like, noise rules? I don't know. The fuck? <laughs> I'm not trying, you know, yep. I'm not trying to be like, oh, this is the neighbor's fault. You know, obviously it's not. But, like, come on. How hard is it to call 911? It's like three numbers. Well, I don't know. The neighbors said that they had, they thought that they were friends with the Cochrans and that they would like (laughs) often hang out. And they did say that for a few days after all the power tool sounds had kind of stopped, the Cochrans invited them over for a couple barbecues. Oh no. They thought it was kind of unusual since the Cochrans were usually broke and that they also never invited them over for dinner. Usually it was just like, come sit by the fire pit and let's have a beer okay, and this chat. This is one red fucking flag <laughs> after another. And they're just like, no, nah, this is all totally normal. It's yeah. They, fine. they said that it was really strange because the Cochrans. <laughs> what is, okay. the Cochrans it's already been had, really strange. Well, they, they had like so much meat. No, like two hundred dollars. Shut worth of up! Meat. Don't I they know? Said that they no, would serve oh God, up like no. ribs no. and kebabs and burgers. Oh, these ribs are unusually long for a fucking <laughs> I don't know pork. For a pork. <laughs> for a little piggy. They said that Jason told them that he used. Do you eat cow ribs? Yeah, you can. How big are they? They like... cut them up. <laughs> they cut them. I like the Flintstones. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> They said that Jason told them that he was a butcher when he lived in Indiana and that he specialized in exotic meats. Shut 
the front door. I am not continuing on this story with you. I cannot. This isn't the first time you've done shit like this. Uh, well. This is fucking horrible. One of the neighbors described the meat as something that he had never eaten before. He said it was like almost like lobster or like oh God, shrimp or something. Oh my God. But... He had no real reason to, like, suspect them of anything other than, like, hey, cool, they got some, like, weird exotic meat. That's enough. That's <laughs> enough. If you're eating something you don't recognize, it's probably illegal to be eating that thing. Yeah. You probably shouldn't be eating it. After learning about Chris's disappearance, the neighbors were convinced that they'd probably they eaten him. They were vomiting. One of the neighbors, the one that said that he, oh, it was, like, meat he had never tried before, he said that, like, after that, for, like, months, he, like, couldn't eat. He, like couldn't keep anything down yeah just like, of course he lost so much weight because he like couldn't eat the best diet is to think that you ate human <laughs> you're gonna lose weight like no problem uh-huh. <laughs> so now winter is setting in and they still haven't located chris or his uh, remains because they've been eaten <laughs> and unfortunately the crime lab couldn't determine what kind of blood the yeah, blood splatter was and so they went back for a second search and they focused on the basement where they found weird writings from Jason. Oh, God. That, like, were kind of like the story that you told the other week. They were, like, all, like, fictional writings about, like, him being a monster and him, oh, like... he's an author now? Yeah, and then they were all, like, weird, like, scribblings. And I guess, like, in part of his therapy, he was supposed to do, like, free writing and, yeah. like, all that stuff. So, yeah. like... They couldn't really use it as evidence because it was just him writing stuff, mm-hmm. but it was really weird stuff. Him writing, like, a confession writing stuff? Kind of, but, like, very, like, a roundabout way of confessing anything. So it's like, okay. This okay. is kind of like the thing where someone has a stalker and the stalker is, like, threatening and it's, like, clearly a threat, but that it's like, oh, I can't give you a protective order because this isn't, like, a direct so-and-so, I will do this to you with yeah. this thing that I have, and on this day... Signed and like, dated and notarized. Yeah, yeah, like, okay, yep. fine. In the meantime, the Cochrans had been located because... Oh, good. Some cops thought ahead of time and actually put a GPS tracker <gasps> on their truck. Oh, and... okay, cops, sorry. Okay. That was a good call. <laughs> They were tracked to Indiana, where they were originally from, and had With family With the exotic there. meat butchery. Both of their, like, parents lived there. They, like, grew up next door to each other and, you know, started dating in high school and fell in love and got married there. And so the Michigan police contacted the Indiana police to see if they could help get some DNA samples, because they were like, if we find evidence, we need their DNA samples, because we don't have their DNA yet. Like his saliva on a rib bone. <laughs> yes. If you have this any is meat so bones, fucking awful. Send it. So Indiana was like, sure, and they went and collected their DNA. <laughs> the whole state of Indiana. Yep. Like we got this. Um, and I guess that they they had found some blood also in the basement, but unfortunately, again, the blood was not. It, w- it wasn't, they weren't able to conclusively say who it was from. Okay. 
They did find a rabbit's foot keychain under their porch. Do you remember when those were like a yes. thing? And then I found out that it was actually, actually a rabbit's foot and then I like wanted to vomit. Yeah, I remember I think it was at like the skating rink getting like tickets or something from like the video games and then yeah, like Yeah, you had it. one. You had like a blue one. Yeah, yeah I did. I thought it was so cool until I found so out cool. what it was. I thought it was really a rabbit's foot. And I was like. Yeah. I remember like rubbing it all over. King Skate? I think so. Ew. Why yeah. were they had? What? I don't know. They had prizes for why some reason. Why did they have. Yeah. No, I know they had prizes. They had an arcade. But why did they have rabbit's feet? a whole bucket feet? of feet. And I remember like it was so oh soft. So I would like it rub so... it on my face. Yeah, it was very <laughs> soft. And the cats were very interested in it. Why is that a thing? I don't know. It's not really a thing anymore. Where did they get them from? Well, no, of course not. They're chopping off little bunny feet. <laughs> Fucking king skate. Uh, should have yeah. thrown red paint on your foot. It's <laughs> a protest. Um, Terry identified the rabbit's foot as belonging to Chris. It's like a taxidermy. You had like a taxidermy rabbit's foot. But, yeah. It was good luck. In your possession as a child. <laughs> Also, around the same time, the GPS tracker on their truck stopped working. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> they can't afford, like, a good GPS yeah, tracker? Nope. Or maybe they found, do you think bit. they found it and just took it off or something? No, it just crapped out. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then they, like, didn't really hear anything from Kelly or Jason until 16 months after Chris went missing. Holy shit. Kelly called 911 to report that her husband, Jason, had overdosed and stopped breathing. Oh. (laughs) What a roller coaster of noise. It was a roller coaster of emotion. I heard it. Yeah. When the ambulance arrived, Jason had no pulse and he couldn't be, he could not be resuscitated. They declared him dead. Mm Mm-hmm. She told the paramedics that Jason often used heroin to manage his chronic back pain and that she thought this time he had taken too much. Convenient. Mm. Not for him. When they looked into Jason's death, they noted that the night of his death, Kelly kept getting in the way of the paramedics. And was, <laughs> of course like, she did. Trying, She was like trying to distract them. Oh my and, God, Kelly. Yeah. After the autopsy of Jason was conducted... They found, they did find significant amount of heroin in his body mm-hmm. that could have, you know, eventually caused an overdose. Mm-hmm. But they also found marks on his face mm-hmm. and neck implying that he was strangled and or suffocated. Of course he was. And his cause of death was asphyxiation. What a fucking idiot. She could have, like... Waited it out. Yeah. Wow. The report ruled that his death was a homicide. Kelly. So, of course, they brought Kelly in to question her about Jason and Chris. Mm. And she eventually confessed that she injected Jason with a massive dose of heroin. Well, just for his, just for his own safety help. What is it? Just for she his own She said that good? she injected him and then waited for him to die. Bitch. But that it was taking too long. So she smothered him. What a cold hearted. We both did women criminals this time. (laughs) Girl power. Girl power. (laughs) What a bitch. She said that the motive was that Jason had killed Chris. 
Oh, whatever. And that I like Chris was her one true love. No, I am so fucking. <laughs> I just like cannot. What stand you don't this. believe her? She's a battered woman, and and Jason killed don't her even. love. When people kill someone and then they like Blame kill someone them. else, and they're like, oh, they were the ones that like did it, and it's like, no, bitch. That's like so fucked up. That's so fucked up. Yeah. So fucked up. Uh, so Jason's best friend contacted the FBI and told them that he was pretty sure that Kelly had killed Jason. I mean, she confessed, but at the same time, he, <laughs> he had called because yeah, okay. he was like, okay, like, Jason doesn't do heroin. He wouldn't just kill himself. Like, there's no way that he would just kill himself. Like, we talk all the time. He's my best friend. Well, except for if he was suicidal. Yeah, but Sometimes like not, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, but he was just like convinced like this is not right. Something is up okay. with this. Yeah. So the FBI asked him to be a confidential informant and he was like, sure. So they He's set, like, I hate that bitch. Yeah. Let's do it. So they set up this like scheme where he called Kelly on the phone and <laughs> yeah. he was like, Hey, um, this is really weird, but like before Jason died, he sent me a letter he mailed me a letter and in the letter was like a note and a sealed envelope inside with no return address just like it was like addressed to the police and the note instructed him that if jason died that he was to mail the letter to the police department immediately okay i feel like this is something that wouldn't work for everyone because i feel like some people would be like there's no way in hell that person would have done that but Interesting. Well, Kelly's response was, she was like, please don't. Oh, Kelly. You're so dumb. (laughs) So from that, they knew that she definitely had something to do with Chris's disappearance. What a dumb bitch. Yeah. Kelly. And then Kelly said that she, uh, she like went to the police department and was like, I need to, to tell someone about Chris's death, about what happened to Chris. She's like, I'm here before the letter gets here. Basically. <laughs> oh, bitch. <Yeah. sighs> she said that Jason shot and killed Chris. Jason's just a fucking liar. Yep. Fuck she said bitch. that Jason shot him in the head and that she saw it happen. And then Jason cut him up into pieces to wow. get rid of the body. She said that they... Or, um. Oh, so then they asked for her to bring them to where his body was, and yeah. she agreed. Wow. She took them out to the woods. She thought she was so convincing. Yeah. Wow. So she took them out to the woods, and but she couldn't find, she couldn't, like, she was like, they were here. And they were like, where are they? And she was like, I don't know, they were here. And they couldn't find anything. Hmm. So she agreed to take them back to her home to show them exactly what happened and where it went down. She said that uh, that like evening, Chris came over and he like came to the front door, but Jason was like in the back area. So she told him to go around to the back door and he came in the back door and the way that the house was, like you step in and there's stairs going down to the basement and then there mm-hmm. were like a couple stairs going up into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So she said that, like, Chris came in and they just couldn't keep their hands off of each other. So they, like, started having sex in the middle, like, in the entryway. And then Jason um, shot Chris Chris in the head from behind. Wait, I'm confused. Jason was in the back of the house. Chris came over. 
He came to the front door, and yeah. then she was like, no, you got to go around to the back door. To where my husband is? With the gun, yep. Yep. Okay, what? The story is not making sense. So okay. she said that Jason was, like, on the steps of the basement. Like, she knew he was back there? He was there. there, yep, she knew he was there. What? That's why she asked him to go to the back. And what? they started fooling around, and then, like... Well, her husband was right there. Right. What? This yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> she said that she, she said she, originally she said that she didn't realize that Jason was even in the house. Oh, okay. She thought that he was gone, but like okay, she and then did she tell let him, him in through the front yeah, door. She was like, "Go around the back," and then he came around the back. What the fuck? Sure, Kelly. Yes, sure. Yes. And then she said that she said Jason shot him and then forced her to help him dismember Chris and then forced her to clean up. And the police were like, mm-hmm, sure. Like, great story, Kelly. We don't believe you, Kelly. They didn't arrest her right away. Mm-hmm. So she went back to Indiana, and she was supposed to meet up with the police the next day to take a polygraph test. But then the detective... What is happening? The, How do you not... I don't know. ...detain her immediately after that they story? like, you're good, all right. Just come back for your They're polygraph like, oh, test. oh, it's so clear that you weren't involved in this. She admitted to dismembering a body. Like, yep. how are you not immediately, like, arrested? So, she's supposed to show up the next morning. She and, already um, ran once. <laughs> and the one of the detectives got a text from her saying that the West Coast was nice this time of year. Sorry, guys. I can't come. I made other plans. Yep. So, she had <laughs> fled once again. Yeah, obviously. But unlucky for her, the cops were able to track her phone down because she couldn't help but, like, uh, like she would turn her phone off and then the detective would, like, text her something. So then she'd, like, turn it back on and, like, check. So then they pinged where her phone was. And she was not on the West Coast. She was in Kentucky. She's so clever. She, like, mm-hmm. threw them mm-hmm. off the scent by, like, they're going to already go to the West Coast. So they finally went to Kentucky and arrested her. Oh, my God. In the interrogation room, Kelly confessed that Jason didn't, that she confessed that Jason did shoot Chris, but that she was supposed to do it herself, according to a love pact her and Jason had made the night of their wedding. What? Yes. You see, they had made a pact. (laughs) What the fuck? In high school? The night of their wedding. Yeah. That if either of them had an affair. (laughs) What the fuck? The person having the affair had to kill the affair partner. This is like such a strong foundation for any marriage. Everyone make this pact the night of your wedding. Mm -hmm. If when one of us has an affair, the other one kills that person. No, you. If you have an affair, you have to kill your. Yeah, you're murder. You're like gonna ruin this marriage. You better clean up. What the fuck? And she obviously took that pinky swear very seriously. Yeah, except that she claimed that she wasn't able to go through with it because of her feelings for Chris were too strong. So Not because you can't murder another human being, just not this human being. In fact, she said that at one point she thought about killing Jason instead because she loved Chris and not Jason. But they did make a pact, and then Jason what was like... What does she think that she's portraying to police with this story? <laughs> I don't know. And then she was like, well, Jason was like, you know what? I'll be the strong one. I'll clean up your mess. So I'll be the one to help you follow through on this pact that we made however many years ago. Mm-hmm. 
that clearly we made and this isn't just a story. So yeah, she was like, I guess I did know that he was going to kill him <laughs> the night that I invited him over. Uh, she's like, yeah, we Jason did plan to ambush him. Kelly once again took the detectives to the woods to try and find the remains. And Kelly. they eventually did find a black black trash bag under a pile of leaves but the bag had been ripped open by animals and it was empty of course but a few yards away they found a skull wow and then not too far from that they found the jawbone wow and in and then kelly willfully took them to a body of water where she had put the gun and she was like i wasn't planning on showing anyone this so i didn't like throw it too far so it was like they were able to retrieve what an it. idiot. <laughs> Kelly was in jail awaiting her trial on a $5 million cash bond. How was any bail offered? She's clearly a flight risk. Yep. While <laughs> awaiting her trial, she supposedly fashioned shanks out of her eyeglasses. Cute. And then threatened to commit suicide and also Who threatened... taught her how to make a shank? I don't know. She is a crafty woman. Wow. She threatened to harm anyone that came near her. Now no one's allowed eyeglasses in prison. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Kelly. Yeah. Kelly's defense was that Jason did it and that she was afraid he would kill her next if she went to the police. She also tried to have her confession thrown out on the basis that she said that she had taken about 30 sedatives before the interview. 30? Mm -hmm. Which did not allow her to be of sound mind. She wasn't, like, visibly passing out from taking 30 they sedatives? They did say that she was groggy and she tried to drink out of the wrong end of a cup. <laughs> <laughs> How do you even do that? She also told them that, like, she had got the sedatives into jail and, like, took them when she was taking a shower and they were like, how did you do that? Like, yeah. They, they were in your hand. And she was like, yeah, they just trusted me. They didn't They didn't look. They didn't search me or whatever. But, 30 pills. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking pills. Where do you get them in the first place? I don't know. What? This, she doesn't. Okay. I don't understand any of her stories. But a physician who examined her, I guess, the day of the interview testified that she had possibly taken 300 milligrams of Xanax. Do we know how many pills that would be? Well, assuming they're like 10 milligrams each. Yeah. How many know. fucking pills uh, did she take? I don't know. Um, so the judge granted the motion to suppress only the audio statement on April 29th. It sounds like 30 milligrams would have been a fucking lot. Yeah. Like high, high dose of Xanax. It sounds like no. Um, The judge said that she was awakened from her sleep. She was immediately provided her Miranda rights. They were not read to her. They only go up to two milligrams. Yeah. How did she have 300 milligrams? I don't know. How did she stay alive? Uh, so he said that the her Miranda rights were not read to her, which was the first problem. So the second problem is, as you listen to the tape and the testimony of officers, she appeared groggy during the interview, and that is observable from a review of the audio interview. He said, thirdly, there is an indication that she may have been under the influence of drugs. The totality of all those circumstances is of concern to me. The judge, however, the judge did, however, allow two other video interviews as admissible. 
Kelly's mother spoke to the court and described long-standing behavioral problems with Kelly growing up. She said that Kelly started using drugs in high school and had run away several times. She, at one point, was placed in a girl's home, and then when she was 18, she was kicked out of her house for not following the rules. She also had seen several therapists over the years, but there never seemed to be any change or progress. Uh. Kelly took the stand trying to gain sympathy from the jury, (laughs) but the jury was not convinced. Hmm. The jury shocking. The jury found her guilty on all counts in the murder of Chris Regan. Good. She was sentenced to life imprisonment without parole for first degree murder. Good. Two and a half to four years in prison for larceny in a building. Six to ten years in prison for conspiracy to mutilate a dead body. Wow. Three to five years in prison for concealing the death of a person. Wow. And two and a half to four years in prison for lying to a peace officer. They're just tacking that shit on there. There's still the matter of the murder of her husband, Jason. Okay. Uh, Kelly pled guilty and received an additional 65 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because of... I wonder why she pled guilty. Well, because... Okay, so <laughs> I will explain in a second. I oh, mean, okay. Well, because it was obvious that she did it, but also... Well, yeah. Kelly's brother came forward and said that he thought that Kelly might actually be a serial killer. Oh, no. He said that Kelly told him that there were nine total men that she had killed. What? From jail, a phone call was recorded between Kelly and her mother in which Kelly confessed to her mother that her and Jason had killed before Chris. What the fuck? She said that she was born this way and that she doesn't have feelings. She doesn't feel remorse or empathy. Yeah. She said, I've always been homicidal. It's funny you didn't see it. (laughs) What a crazy bitch. Yeah. Wow, that's so scary. So one of the reasons that she pled guilty was in her plea deal, uh... She cannot be charged for any other murders, even if she confesses and shows them where bodies are. Mm. Um, I just, okay. But I'm also, kind of, she's like a liar. I was going to say, I'm kind of skeptical as to but whether they were, or not. But they were also like, well, if Chris was their first kill, she clean, they cleaned up really, really well. Like, it was like almost professionally well how like they got rid of everything. Nobody suspected her. Well, I guess what I would do is track the times that Jason checked himself into, like, mental health facilities and then see if people went missing around that same time to see if there's, like, a tell. Well, because she also, she, like, claimed that she, like, murdered this truck driver and was like, yeah, and I put his body, like, on route, whatever, and they they were like, no truck driver was had gone missing Mm -hmm. or died. They looked where she had said... And there was, like, no evidence of anything happening. Yeah, I just, yeah, I feel like she's kind of lying about that. And then she had, like, a weird obsession with butterflies. Like, she had a bunch of butterfly tattoos. And they were, like, she'd said something about, like, how they correlated with, like, the amount of people that she's killed. Yeah, I don't know. The vibe I get is that she's just a liar and she just tries to make things like bigger than they are or seem more powerful than she is or she just tries to like manipulate and get attention definitely manipulate because it said like that with the the sedatives that she knew that if she confessed on under the influence that it would be inadmissible because you have to be of sound but why would you want to confess anyway 
just to taunt them. Oh, yeah. To be like, I'm going to tell you all this stuff and yeah, you're going to think you got yeah. all this information. But mm. now I'm going to tell you, oh, I actually was um, really high on drugs. You can't actually use that as evidence. So like, <laughs> oh, what a bitch. What a bitch. Okay. Sociopath, mm-hmm. psychopath. Yes. For sure. Yes. I feel really bad for, for Chris. And, and Jason. for Jason yeah. for getting involved with yeah. a psychopath. That's so scary. It can happen to anyone, especially yep. when you're so young when you get together. It's really tragic. Yeah, and like for Chris, it was like, I mean, he was like 20 years older than her. His thing was like, oh, it's going to be like a fun hookup type thing. Like he wasn't taking like it convenient. seriously. And yeah, we work together. We just it's hook like up. Whatever. Like I'm on a break from my girlfriend. So it was just like a fun fling. And then and now I'm like leaving the area. So clean break. Like we yeah. can't be together. I'm leaving. Yeah. Goodbye. And then she like pulled him into her web. Do you think that she killed him because he was leaving? Uh, It could be a little bit of about. It could be a little bit that she that he was leaving. But also, I think like they had this pact. No, I don't think you that's don't real. That was real. No, that's the stupidest thing. Why on your wedding night? First of all, when you get married, aren't you supposed to be excited? And you're like the first thing that comes they're to mind so is they're so excited that if they're we like, we have an affair. I am so in love with you that if anyone comes between us, no. we have to agree. If anyone comes between us, we kill them. Okay, <laughs> you get married. That's like your wedding night. Your new spouse. Who you're supposed to be like all excited. You just literally just had a wedding celebration. They come to you and they're like, hey, if either of us has an affair, just that. What is your first thought? We have to clean up and murder them. You're going to have a <laughs> fucking affair. Like, why are we married? That's true. Either that or you have attachment issues and that's a huge red flag. You need to get that shit sorted before we get married. I don't think they had a pact. I yeah you're right I don't I just don't believe anything out of her mouth she's a liar and I think probably what happened is she felt rejected he was like I'm gonna be leaving he, I'm who knows he could have he could have been have, like, like t- I'm gonna be gone and he could have been like I'm getting back with my girlfriend like I'm moving to because she she said that he invited her to move to North Carolina with him but, yeah I but, think it's a control thing she yeah. was losing control she he was leaving her. If I can't have you, no one can. Come on over. Let's have like a goodbye <laughs> dinner. And then she murders him. And it's just awful because he was. Yeah. And on the one hand, if it's true that like, I mean, like Jason was not happy about her. No, of course Having not. these affairs. But like, and maybe part of him was like, oh, cool. You're going to end it. Like, you know, I'll help you end it. If you're going to end it, let's end this stuff. Like, I mean. And who knows if he actually pulled the trigger or she did because he's dead. Well, I... Okay, here's what I think happened. And this is obviously just pure speculation. Uh-huh. I think he told her, hey, I just got hired somewhere. I have a new job. I'm super excited. I'm leaving the area. She's like, oh, we'll come over. We'll have like a goodbye, whatever. He comes over. She kills him because she has like a million weapons. She's super manipulative Jason either was there or wasn't comes in he's like what the fuck and she's like oh my god it he like tried to hurt me like I had to kill him we need to get rid of the body like I'm the victim in this um help me like whatever and then 
he probably helped her. But if he has such, like, severe back problems, like, how much is he really doing on power tools and shit? Like, is he really dragging a basement down the stair? Dragging a basement down the stairs. <laughs> dragging a body down the stairs. Like, how much is he actually doing? And... One also, if he's someone that is, know. like, willfully staying with someone who's cheating on him constantly, like, you'd think, like, okay, he has no backbone. He's beaten down. He's not going to stand up for no himself. He has no self-esteem. He clearly is being controlled and manipulated in the relationship. And as to your point of how they got the body down the stairs, so, like, I described it, the basement stairs were, like, right near the landing. So, according to her, he got shot and ended up falling down the basement stairs. That's probably true. Yeah. She probably was like, oh, come on around the back. He came in. She shot him, pushed him down the stairs. Then Jason and was like, oh, you have to help me get rid of the body because I'm going to go to jail forever if you don't. And it was self-defense or whatever excuse, mm-hmm. you know. That's what I think happened. And then after that, then Jason probably either felt like super guilty about it or was like, you have to tell the police or like, I don't think that he I don't think that they murdered anyone else together. I think that he probably had like a fucking panic attack was like, what did I do? Also, if you're like a healthy human being or like a um, non-sociopath, if you dismember a body, that shit's going to haunt you. You're going to get PTSD. You're going to have all kinds of psychological issues. You can't just do that. So then obviously, clearly he had some kind of breakdown, had to go into a mental health facility. Mm -hmm. I just... Yeah, and then afterwards came out, and then he was probably just, like, not able to cope, and then she just had to kill him because he wasn't able to cope, and then she's probably like, oh, well, we'll go home, like, we'll go to your family, we'll recover there, it'll be different, we'll, like, get away from this place, and he, like, clearly couldn't handle it, so then she killed him. Yeah, because, I mean, everyone described him as, like, just very, like, laid back and, like, calm and mellow, but, like, with, you know, obviously mental health issues, but, like, just kind of like on the back burner and then she was very like verbose and like in your face and like talking all the time and telling stories and like lying and just being very like manipulative um yeah and i just feel like if they've been together from such a young age like high school is such a prime time mm -hmm. to establish those unhealthy like relationships and then just keep it going where it's like oh i'm the only one that understands you like i'm the only one that can stay with you i know i've known you for so long and no one else will understand you like i do and what you know just like the basic manipulation um that happens far too often but yeah that's what i think happened like she's a psycho he and he couldn't handle it and she had to kill him and then and then she couldn't even wait for the heroin to kick in yeah, she's crazy. She had to smother him. <sighs> scary, scary woman. And these poor, Terrifying. poor people who just get trapped in her web. And I just don't get it because, I mean, I'm sorry, but she looks terrifying. Ew, show me a picture. <laughs> like, not to judge people on their looks, but like... Whatever, you're just calling her fat and ugly I mean, and short and... A, like. I mean, she's 34 there. She looks like Ooh. she's, like, in her 50s. Life was rough. And then that's her husband. That's Jason. Oh, Jason. And that's um, Chris. Oh. Yeah. I mean... I can't... Yeah, mug shots are not flattering, but when are they ever? I mean... <laughs> just... Oh, Kelly. Wow. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. 
tossed salad, a scrambled egg. Tossed salad, just regular. Just a regular old. Regular old psychopath. Tossed salad. Fucking egg. Gross, gross. Mm-hmm. Want to do some crime when you say eggs? Sure. And now for the portion that we like to call Criminy Sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Okay. Ugh, I was like, <laughs> horrible. Okay, I got this one from foxla.com. Takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> Um, rescue teams in Tulsa, Oklahoma, were dispatched to recover a reported dead body from the Arkansas River. So, imagine their surprise when they got close enough to see the so-called victim was actually alive and well. The man was just napping on a lazy summer day it's like on the river. like a development. <laughs> the Tulsa Fire Department shared a video on, August 18th inci- on the August 18th incident that showed the rescue workers kayaking to the fully clothed man <laughs> lying in a shallow part of the river who sits up upon their approach. Officials are now asking residents in Tulsa to not nap on the river. Uh, The river is low, but it is still potentially dangerous in areas, wrote the fire department on Facebook. Please stay safe and find alternate ways to stay cool. (laughs) Okay. Um, I got one from Mm myrecipes.com. When Charles Pierce, 91, accidentally drove his car through the window of a since-closed biscuits and gravy and more restaurant in Port Orange, Florida, on a January morning in 2010, he decided to make the best out of a bad situation. He sat right down and ordered a hearty breakfast. (laughs) After channeling his inner Kool-Aid man, Pierce enjoyed two eggs over light grits, bacon, coffee, and a side of rye toast. He said it was really good. I ordered that about an hour. They After let him about order? an hour, I was pretty shaken up, he said. A customer was injured in the crash, but the elderly driver suffered no injuries. Police said Pierce received a citation for reckless driving. Hold up. He smashes yeah. through yeah. and is like, oh. Injures someone. Ah, yes. I'll take some biscuits. <laughs> and they're down. like, sure, here's your biscuits. What uh, the fuck? Well, it, he sat down for like an hour and then ordered... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then they gave him a citation. Like, clearly that happens far too often in Florida. Okay, Florida. (laughs) What the hell? All right. This one is from newser.com. The title is, Teen who used laser sight as a cat toy charged in shooting. The young woman told police she thought the gun didn't have bullets. The cat, at least, is fine. What? But a 21-year-old man was shot straight through his thigh and had to go to the hospital. Is now... Wait, what? What? Why does it say man and then woman? 21... But a 21-year-old man was shot straight through his thigh, had to go to the hospital, and is now facing weapons charges to boot. A 19-year-old visiting a friend's apartment in Kenosha, Wisconsin, was using the laser sight of a 9mm handgun to play with a cat. What a fucking idiot. When the gun went off. The Kenosha News reports, another guest had brought the gun and set it down. He said he thought he had taken the magazine out when he put it on the dresser. 
Jashanti Pleasant picked it up and started playing with it, and it went off, injuring the man who brought the gun. A witness said Pleasant had been drinking. The man left, went to another apartment, and called 911. He was taken to the local hospital and then charged for having a weapon in violation of conditions of his bond. He was out on bond in connection with another shooting at another home. Pleasant told police that the shooting was an accident and that she, too, thought the magazine had been taken out of the gun. ABC News reports, no injuries to the cat were reported. What the fuck? <laughs> Fucking idiots. This is why we can't have guns. This is <laughs> like, why we can't what? have nice things. Why would you have a fucking gun in the house and use it as a cat toy? A it's not a fucking toy. Clearly a gun is not a toy. They're like, oh, damn, we can't find the laser pointer. Oh, I know. I have, I have a gun. fucking gun. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yep. This one's from Reader's Digest. Okay. A criminal who is captured because his tracks led away from a crime scene is an old story. However, Albert Jackson Dowdy, 22, took incompetence to a new level. (laughs) According to police in Grants Pass, Oregon, he tried to break into a home by smashing a glass door with a paint can. But the can broke open. What? Paint splattered all over Dowdy's clothes oh, and shoes. My God. Yet he traipsed through the house nonetheless. Oh my God. Leaving stains everywhere. He made <sighs> off with two cans of tuna fish and a box of oatmeal. Tinned fish? <laughs> Tinned fish and a box of oatmeal. That's what he took. Yep. Before long police tracked Dowdy to a nearby motel where he appeared. At the door, still wearing his paint-smeared clothes. And eating oatmeal with tuna fish. <laughs> what the... F- what? It, okay, you're hungry. Oh, my God. Also, I hate when it's called tuna, tuna fish. Tuna fish. Is there a tuna bird? There's salmon Is there fish. a tuna cow? Why do you have to specify fish. tuna fish? A tinned tuna fish. Gross. It also just sounds bad. <laughs> tuna fish. Tuna fish salad. Yuck. Yuck. Tuna fish and oatmeal. Uh, Breakfast of champions. Oh my god. Well, on that note, check out our sponsor, Humble Bee Herbal. Buy yourself some soaps. Wash away this disgustingness of horrible stories and uh, the world in which we live. (laughs) Yes. Amen. So go on their website, humblebeeherbal.com. Get yourself. Promo code CRIMINY20 for 20% off your first order. They're really good stuff. That's like all I use these days. Me too. High quality. my travel toiletry bag is so small, you like literally only need a shampoo bar, a regular bar of soap, and then I like to have like a serum or some kind of moisturizer and a lip balm. And that's like all I need. Yep. Forget all the plastic bottles. Get like package free, recyclable package stuff. Yes, this is this company is zero waste, eco friendly, and you can reuse most of the packaging or recycle it. So don't worry about harming the planet and all of the ingredients used to make the products are sustainable and good for you and your body. So check them out at humblebeeherbal.com. Code CRIMINY20 at checkout. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> uh, you won't regret you it. Won't regret it. Do you it. Won't be disappointed like you are in these stories today. Yes. yes. Because human beings suck. 
they do, but not Humblebee Herbal and their products. <laughs> so check them out, and we will speak at you in a week or two. <laughs> Every other week. Every other week. Thank you for tuning in. Um, if you need to get a hold of us, you can email us. <laughs> it's an urgent <laughs> yes. situation. Please call the police. If you hear guns going off next door and a bunch of screaming and power tools happening at the middle of the night for days in a row, please call the police. <laughs> Otherwise, we will speak at you later and uh, write to us at crimeanypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.